Welcome to the C3 Church podcast. Here at church, we are passionate about people and helping them in their walk with God. We hope this Sunday message speaks to you today. Well, hello, my name is John, and it is great to be with you today. I have the privilege of serving here as multi-site pastor, and I would love to welcome all of you in the room in Cambridge this morning. And would you help me in welcoming all of our locations joining with us right now? C3 Colchester, C3 Bury St. Edmunds, Church Online UK, and of course, all of you joining us in the prisons this morning through Way Out TV. You are all so welcome. Today, we are kicking off a brand new four-part teaching series called Jesus Never Said. And I want to thank Pastor Steve and Angie for the opportunity to be able to share with you today. And over the next four weeks, we want to look at some of the things that Jesus didn't say as a pathway to exploring what does Jesus say to us and how that we should live our lives. Right at the outset, I would love to give credit to Pastor Craig Rochelle and Life.Church in a series by the same name that has inspired some of our thinking. Truth can get twisted. Something that sounds okay, that makes a real nice, snappy statement, can also totally not reflect the truth of God from his word. Truth can get twisted. And to illustrate that for you this morning, I've got a few volunteers who are gonna join me on stage, so come on up, volunteers. Oh, volunteers are not going to join me on stage. Well, this front row is going to join me on stage. Josh, Mia, Nicola, and Wanya are going to come join me on stage. It's going to be okay, guys. Trust me. You don't have to say anything. It'll be fine. Nice little line would do us good, guys, okay? Nice little line. We're going to illustrate that truth can get twisted through playing a childhood game that I'm sure many of you will be familiar with called Telephone. Here's how this game goes in case you're not familiar with it. I'm going to start off a statement at the beginning of the line. I'm going to go down to Nicola. And the rules of the game is that you may only whisper it once. You're not allowed to ask for repeats, okay? So you whisper it once into the ear of the person next to you. And we're going to see what gets to the end of the line. This is the basis of the game. Is everyone clear on this game? Yeah. Fantastic. Are you guys clear on this game? And you must know that you cannot ask for repeats, okay? Why don't you play some music, media team, and we're going to start off a statement at this end, and we're going to see what gets to the <laughs> other end, okay? Okay, so this is what I started off at the beginning of the row with Nicola. I said, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Do you know what got to the end of the row? Jesus loves you. Thanks, guys. You can go. Now, I cannot argue the truth is that Jesus definitely does love you, but I can also tell you that is not what I started off at the beginning of the row. You see, the truth can get 
twisted. And it's really important for us then that we go back to truth from the source. And that's what we want to do in this series today. We want to go back to the truth of Jesus' words from the source. And today, we are going to start off this series by exploring this statement that Jesus never said. Go and do whatever makes you happy. Now, some of you have got loads of questions spiraling off in your mind right now. Like, but John, but John, what about this? What about this? I trust over the course of my message, I will answer some, if not all, of those questions. But right at the outset, I want to bring this clarity to you. It is not the heart of God for you to be miserable. It's not the heart of God for you to be miserable. In fact, God wants you to find fulfillment, to find lasting joy. We are going to explore these three things today. Number one, we're going to explore God's heart for you. Number two, we're going to look at whose truth. And number three, we're going to look at holiness and happiness. I want to start and finish my message today in the Gospel of John chapter 8. Now, I chose this passage intentionally because it's absolutely key for me today that you don't just hear truth, but you also connect with the heart of God towards you. And this passage illustrates both of those absolutely beautifully well for us. Now, Jesus in this passage, he's teaching in the temple courts. Might help of you to think of that as like the town center or the city center. That's a public place, lots going on, lots of people around. And some nominally religious people drag a woman to Jesus who has been caught in the act of adultery. And this is where we're going to pick it up in John chapter 4, uh, John chapter 8, sorry, and verse 4. It says this. And they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. And Jesus bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. And when they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin... Be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard him began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left standing there with the woman. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I have lots of questions about this story. If we had more time, we could unpack some of them. One of my questions is, where is the guy that's been involved in this act of adultery? Another question is, what were the religious men doing to catch them in the act of adultery? This all seems a bit strange, right? Some questions that we could explore if we had more time. But this scene is absolutely humiliating for the woman. She would have been barely dressed, dragged before Jesus, and it's all in this guise to trick Jesus. Jesus finds himself in a tricky position. If he says, hey, it's no big deal, let's just let it slide this time. 
He's violated the law of Moses. On the other hand, if Jesus says, well, let's get on with it, let's stone her down with her, there goes his reputation for being full of grace and love. So he doesn't say either. In fact, he says this, if anyone hasn't sinned, you can begin the stoning. And he kneels down and he starts to write on the ground. We don't know what Jesus wrote on the ground. The Bible doesn't tell us. Here's what I like to think Jesus was writing on the ground. I like to think he was writing some of the names of the men. Maybe he wrote Phil, the Pharisee, Tuesday, search history. Maybe he wrote Sam, the Sadducee, Wednesday, road rage. We don't know what Jesus wrote on the ground. All we know is that one by one, they started to walk away, and then it's just Jesus and the woman. And Jesus says this to her, then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is the tone of Jesus towards you today. It is not condemning, it is not angry, but it is clear and there is a sense of urgency. Go now and leave your life of sin. Why do we get tempted to sin, to do things that go against God's commands to us? Often because it looks good. It feels like this is the thing that's going to bring me pleasure. This is going to bring me happiness right now. How did the woman end up in this situation? We have no idea, but it's very unlikely that she woke up one day, hell-bent on walking around, wrecking marriages, sleeping around, but one thing leads to another, and suddenly this feels like the thing that is going to make me happy. Maybe she went to a friend of hers and got some advice, and her friend said to her, well, you do you, sister. Do whatever you think is going to make you happy now. You do you. See, sin can feel good. Sin can feel good. It's gone very quiet in the room. No amens. It's true. If you don't agree, you're probably not doing it right. Sin can feel good. But sin comes with consequences. Sin promises satisfaction at the cost of disobedience to God. It promises a lot. And for a while it feels good, but it comes with consequences. How did I end up here? I bet that had gone through that lady's mind. How did I end up here? That's why Hebrews chapter 11 talks about it as the fleeting pleasures of sin. It comes with consequences. And as we explore God's heart towards us in Scripture, Scripture demonstrates that God wants you to be happy. He wants you to find true joy, a life of fulfillment. God wants you to experience true and lasting happiness. You know, John chapter 10, verse 10, these are the words of Jesus. It says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the Full. God wants you to experience the fullness of life that He has designed for you. Matthew chapter 11, verse, Matthew chapter 7, verse 11 
describes God as a good father who loves to give gifts to his children. God is happy. If we went back to the beginning, if we go back to the the book of Genesis and creation, we see that we are all created in the image of God. We're created in God's image. God is happy. After all, he creates his creation and day after day and at the end he says, it is good. God is happy. God knows joy. God is full of peace. We are created in the image of God and God wants you to be happy. But get this, so important. God's heart for you goes way beyond you experiencing some kind of temporary pleasure. Some sort of short-term high that's going to leave you hurting and empty and broken further down the road. I want to say to you this morning, you are made for more. I want to encourage you, church, don't settle. Don't settle for less than what God has promised you. Don't try and chase it in some sort of short-term fix, in some sort of short-term thing that's going to mask the pain when God wants to bring healing and fullness into your life. I want to tell you, you were made for more. Do not settle for less than God's best. We have three kids. You can see them on the screen behind me. Ellen, Ben, and John. Ellen, Ben, and John. Ellen, Ben, and Josh. <laughs> Nearly called him after me, but not quite. Ellen, Ben, and Josh. They are five, three, and one. And we love our kids a lot. They're a blessing, and you can pray for our patience in our parenting. They love Haribo sweets. They absolutely love Haribo. If you don't know what Haribo is, it's like a, a jelly candy. You're missing out. Go and buy a bag at Sainsbury's afterwards. They love Haribo. And it reminded me last Sunday, we're driving back from church. If you remember, last Sunday was a hot day. We've been serving really hard. We've been there since early with the kids. We're on the way home. Now Ben, he's our middle son. He's three. He no longer naps. In fact, you should do everything at all possible within your power to not allow him to nap after three o'clock unless you want to be up three hours past bedtime with him. So he does not nap. We're driving in the car. He's watching a show on the phone. One minute, his eyes are open. He's watching the show. The next moment, I look round at Ben, and his eyes have shut. I'm shouting at him, Ben, wake up, mate. Jesus loves you. I'm pulling his shoes off, his socks off. I'm tickling his feet. Come back to me, Ben. Come on, Ben. Wake up, mate. Nothing. And in a last-ditch attempt, Hannah, who's driving my wife, she says, John, there's some Haribo in the glove box. So I open the glove box, I get out a milk bottle, and I'm rubbing it on his lips, and it's like, bang, I am back. Give me the Haribo. They love the Haribo. If we let them, they would have Haribo for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They are absolutely convinced that that is what would make them happy. But we know as parents that it comes with consequences. After the short-term high, there's craziness, but there's also a crash. There's cavities. There's nutritional deficiency. As parents, we get it. We say no because there is something better for them. And if our definition of happiness is just pursuing another short-term high. I want you to know you are made for more. 
God promises lasting joy, peace, a life of purpose and meaning. He offers you experiencing what it means to know true happiness in your life. I think the problem is sometimes we can make short-term happiness. Those quick highs are God in our own life. Our culture is very relativistic. Let me way oversimplify that for you this morning. Relativism says, you do you. You do you. Do whatever seems right to you, but just don't hurt anybody else in the process. And it rejects the notion of absolute truth. So you start to hear statements going around like this. What's true for you may not be true for me. I've got to say my truth. How many times do you hear that statement used? I've got to say my truth. Who's to say it's wrong or it's right? And in doing so, we find a way to make our truth serve us. Without a belief in absolute truth, truth becomes defined by whatever makes me happy now. And when the bottom line is my happiness, happiness becomes the basis, the standard by which I judge my actions. Explain that for me, John. Well, it goes like this. If it gives me pleasure now, it must be good. And if it doesn't make me happy now, it must be bad. Oh, the Bible says that this thing is not God's best for my life. The Bible says that this thing is wrong, but it feels good, and I want it, so it must be right. If it makes me happy now, it must be okay. And the problem is that the rejection of absolute truth is in opposition to the Scripture and therefore God's heart toward us. Jesus makes the most absolute statement that you could ever find in the Bible. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here's the reality today. Just like my kids wanting another bag of Haribo, we too can be a bad judge sometimes of what is going to make us truly happy. Why shouldn't I watch porn, John? Why shouldn't I sleep with my boyfriend, my girlfriend? Why shouldn't I eat and drink excessively? Why shouldn't I tell that lie to get what I want? Why shouldn't I release my rage in the car or in so on socials? I want it. I think it's going to make me happy, so why shouldn't I have it? Even if the Bible says it isn't God's best for my life. And here's what we could do. We could go through that list and all the other things that might be more appropriate in your life. And we could start to try and find reasons. We could start to say, well, this is going to have this impact and it's not God's best. And down the road, this is going to happen. We could do all of that. But I'm not sure that's even helpful for you today. What I would prefer out of my message today is that somehow we begin to reframe what we believe is the path to us discovering true happiness. Because we find true happiness through trusting in the one who is the truth. We find true happiness by putting our trust in Jesus, who is the truth. 
If we skip back to creation again, being made in the image of God, we see that God gives Adam and Eve, the first people, free choice, free will. They're placed in this beautiful garden. God says, enjoy it all. Enjoy it. Just don't eat of the fruit of one tree. God doesn't make it impossible to eat of that fruit of the tree. He just says, don't do it. And Adam and Eve have this choice. Do they trust that God has their best at heart? Or are they going to try and define good and evil for themselves? And they get tempted in a very similar way to we get tempted. They think, oh, if we eat that, we're going to have more. We're going to have more knowledge, more understanding. We're going to be more like God. Think that more. We get tempted the same. We think, when I have more, I will be happy. When I have some more money, when I have some more power, when I have some more relationship, then I'm going to be happy. But the reality is, just like Adam and Eve, more never makes us truly happy. And the question is, are they going to trust that God has their best at heart? When we reject God's truth, we reject the path we reject true happiness. We reject the way for us to experience God's best in our life. And I think we are often tempted to do that because we think that holiness and happiness are in opposition. They cannot possibly go together, right? That's what we think. We think that they are in opposition. That God's guidance on how to live our life different, after all, that's what holiness means living different like Jesus like God is in opposition to our happiness and that's such a strong cultural mindset right that God is a an angry man who wants to ruin your fun control your life and then hit you over the over the head with a stick when you get it wrong such a strong mindset that goes around I remember when I was on the tools I was a carpenter and break time conversation could sometimes get a little bit fruity when I was at work, right? And so this is back when I just started dating my now wife, Hannah. So we're going back a while. And I would remember we, one day we were making a cup of tea in the tea point, And they start to ask me some questions about how my sex life is going. John, how's things going with you and Hannah? And there I am trying to make a cup of tea, picture me, and hold down a conversation with eight other guys in the tea point about my biblical convictions and why I believe that God loves sex, he's pro-sex, but he says the right place for sex is within marriage, trying to express all of this in the tea points. No wonder I became known as the vicar at work. <laughs> and I was trying to explain to them that just, hey, this is just what my conviction is of God's best for my life. They're like, mind absolutely blown. What do you mean, John? Come on, John. They probably chose stronger words than that. Come on, John. Surely, if you want it, you do want it, right? Yeah, I want it. Sure, if you want it, you should have it, because that's what's going to make you happy now. Just couldn't get their head around that one. This idea that if God says no, then God must be out to ruin your fun somehow. I want to tell you that is not the truth. God is not out to ruin your fun. Holiness and happiness, they're not in opposition to each other. They're in unity together. And God's instruction on living our life holy is to help us walk in his pathway that leads to true 
happiness. I think maybe at times the church has played a part in spreading this false reputation of God. Met too many Christians who've been more interested in being judgmental and saying what they think about that person down the street than truly representing the truth of the gospel. Maybe they'd be more likely to be found in the group of religious people dragging the woman to Jesus than they are in the Savior's response. I want to say to you today, Colchester, online, wherever you join us from in the room, if that has been your experience of church, I am sorry. I really am sorry because I'm sorry for where we've not properly conveyed the heart of God to you. Because that is not God's heart as directed to you. God says, I don't condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. Happiness and holiness, they're not in opposition. John, are you downplaying holiness today? No. I could not honestly stand on this platform, having read my Bible, and in any way downplay the importance of holiness to you today. Scripture is unequivocal. So many passages talking about being set apart for God, living God's way, going in His direction. To pick just one, we could go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. It says this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new. Everybody say new to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. True happiness is found in pursuing a holy life. What God is calling us from and what God is calling us to is a reflection of his love for us. And his desire is that loving Heavenly Father for us to experience the fullness of life that he has for us. I wonder today, where do you need to stop chasing those sugar highs? Where do you need to stop living for that next short-term hit, that temporary happiness? Where do you need to make a commitment to live different, to choose God's way? Church, does our life look different? Does it look different or does it just look the same? Do my choices, do they align with the Bible? Do they align with what God says or do they just align with my own desires? You might be thinking, well, John, how can I discover this better way? How do I discover God's best for me? Let me give you two super, super quick thoughts on that. Number one, the Word, the Bible. This is God's Word to you. This reveals the heart of God to you, His love to you. It reveals to you a way to live which He can bless. I want to encourage you today, read the Word. You don't know where to start? Well, we've read a few times from John's Gospel this week. Find John's Gospel, read that. Download the YouVersion Bible app on your device and pick a reading plan. We would love to help you grow in your understanding of the Word. That's why we do the Academy. That's why that we do things like Alpha, WTC, so you can know more about God and His heart through His Word. 
Second thought is this, the Spirit. We believe that God speaks, not in a creepy, sort of weird way, but God speaks to our hearts through the power of His Holy Spirit. He speaks. You might even be sitting here listening to me preach today and you just feel like there's a thought that keeps going around that's burning hot inside that maybe that's God speaking to you to know His truth. To say, go this way. Don't go that way. What is God saying to you through His Holy Spirit? As I wrap up and we come to the end of our service, I want to go back to where we started. Back to John chapter 8. Because I believe it's absolutely crucial for you that you go away knowing this. You are not condemned. We've talked a lot about holiness. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, you are not condemned. I want to tell you today that you are free to live God's way. You are not held back. You are not chained to your past, unable to move forward because of the sacrifice and blood of Christ. You are free to move forward to experience God's best, to experience true happiness, lasting peace, a life of joy. God has set you free to go that way. You are not condemned. Hear the words of Jesus that we read, but hear them direct to your heart today. Then neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. You are not condemned. You are free to go towards God's best. Hey, I've got one more thing I've got to say as we were worshiping. I just felt I had to tell someone today in the room or maybe online in Colchester and Barry St. Evans, you are convinced that the best portion of your life lays in the past. I want to tell you today God says that is not true. I want you to go read Job 42 this week. It says of Job having gone through an absolutely horrific time of testing, it says that the latter end of Job's life was better than what happened before. I want to tell you the past is not where your best days are. God has better for you in your future and especially as you go forward into eternity. The best is still to come. As we wrap up and the band play, this is how I'd love to end for us today. I'd love for you to take a moment in whichever location you find yourself to pause. God, what are you saying to me? God, where are you saying, yeah, there's a different way to go. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to say, sorry, God. I know that you forgive me. Maybe you need to say, yeah, God, this is a moment where I'm going to rededicate and re-surrender my life. And it's not just for those of us who don't know Christ here today. It's for us who've followed Christ for a long time too. Because we can start to use the world's metrics to try and find happiness. And we need to say, no, God, I'm coming back to you and your way. Thank you for listening to the C3 podcast. If this message has spoken to you today in some way, we would love to know. Reach out to us at hello at the C3.uk. And if you want to extend the reach of what we do here, why not consider giving by going to the C3.uk 
forward slash giving. And as always, subscribe to our channel and share this episode with a friend. We hope to see you soon. Thank you.